Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TGIF edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over winnersandwiners.com. And together we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. All right, Scott, I know you're getting to be, uh, you're getting ready to go be a big winner flying out to Vegas. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I uh, definitely am looking forward to the couple of football games are going to be on tonight, but we'll talk about those in a little while. Feels good when you win your last bet before going on a trip because that Carolina game was hideous to some. It was a beautiful thing to the two of us. So I told I told my premium subscribers, I said like a lot of games where we play the under, it won't be pretty to watch, but it will be profitable. So I think it was a sign from the heavens because my the TV in my room for some reason, wasn't showing NFL Network properly. So I actually couldn't even watch the entire first half. Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. It's a heartbreak. I, McCaffrey got injured. There was news to me. I didn't know about it. Yeah, McCaffrey got injured and Horn got injured. The uh, Yeah, I saw that. I saw that oh. in the second half. Oh, but okay. I missed the beginning of the game and I thought to myself, 7-6 at the half, maybe I was better off. Just about seven nothing at the half. They gave up a drive right before halftime that let them. And of course, in Texans fashion, they dunk the extra point. So. I, I had the team total under sixteen and a half. Yeah, those, plus a hundred. That was just free. Hard to miss that one. But I had the full game under. I had the Panthers to cover, and uh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good college game too. Apps. That was fun. I, I know I persuaded you to potentially switch over to Marshall, and. We're going to talk about that game in literally a second because some people might have thrown something at the tell. Oh, 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 another tough finish. All right. So that's uh, that's fun. And so you're going to, uh, you're hitting out, you hit some bets. It was very good. Cardinals win again, Scott. Is it just. Cardinals won. They actually Bears went, they, won. they actually went off as minus today. They actually went off at a minus price. They, they were the dogs for a long time. And then people woke up and went, why in the world would the Cardinals be the one they and they they bet it so? But it was about a, it was about Pickham and still Cardinals rolled. Think Milwaukee's uh, happy to see the Cardinals go. You know, I feel like the answer is yes and no because the Brewers wrapped wrapped up the division what like a month and a half ago. <laughs> Basically, they, yeah, they've been cruising. It's kind of like the White Sox who actually clinched yesterday. Mm -hmm. But I think the Brewers are kind of happy about it in a way because the Cardinals might be the team that could dethrone the Dodgers in the wild card game. And I feel like Milwaukee is just hoping the Dodgers will lose to anybody. You know, you it know? is it is hard for me to express as a Kansas Cityan how much I have just a built-in hatred of all things St. Louis. And yet, I would so love to see the Cardinals beat the Dodgers. I, just... I think it would be hilarious. But then again, Dodgers are one game back now because the Giants lost in extras. Dodgers yes. won in extras. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens there, but it should be a fun race. Yep, it really, it really, really should. So yeah, you kind of you kind of previewed it a little bit. We're going to get to it here in just a second. Just a quick reminder that we are going to be doing a pretty full show, Scott. We're going to be talking a little, uh, little, in, a little NCAA football. We're going to be talking a little golf. It's golf this weekend, and uh, of course, probably uh, throw some NFL tidbits in there as well. But before we do all that, let's get to it, Scott. Let's find out the people that maybe were unhappy when somebody fell down on the job, let's say. You know who you are. You had that winner. You had that ticket. You're headed back to the window, and all of a sudden, you're like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What just happened here? Ugh. 
It's ugly. You were robbed. And it's time to call the cops. All right, Scott. Well, as we so often do, what are we gonna? Where are we gonna? What are we gonna do? We are going to start in Major League Baseball. That's right. Um, of course, you had the Rockies plus one and a half. You kind of alluded to it playing the Dodgers. Rockies led five to four in the ninth. Uh, Rockies bring out that uh, Rocky solid bullpen. Dodgers scored one in the top of the ninth, two in the top of the tenth. Rod- Rockies lose. Seven to five, and I'm guessing that wasn't a great beat for the under either, Scott. And if you had the Rockies plus one and a half, if you had the under, all kinds of pain involved in your afternoon. It was time to call the cops. And now talking about the football game where there was a pretty bad beat there for some, Appalachian State minus seven and a half against Marshall. App State led by one with the ball in plus territory with about a minute 50 to go. So you're screaming at the TV, please break one. Please break one. Just let let the running back break one for forty something yards. And the running back did. He broke one. He was wide. He's wide open. Nobody near him. And then he showed his phenomenal IQ, or he got hit by the turf monster, and he fell down intentionally at about the five yard line, just so App State could run out the clock. Now, first of all, that is a tremendous football IQ play. Props to that guy for being selfless, but. What percentage of college players would actually have the presence of mind to do that? 17. Okay. Point is 83% of the time you score in a touchdown. So that's a pretty bad beat. You would have won by eight. Instead, they won by one and you lost. You think he was watching the Rams game? I think that it's obvious the coaching staff told him to do it, Mm -hmm. but you've seen so many times when coaches tell the players to do something and they don't listen anyway. I like when they remember it about the two. They remember as they're and, falling, and, they're, the and their momentum like, like oh, carries them into the end, zone. and they're trying to like, whoa, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's good, it's 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 the smart play, and if you're on the right side of it, you are cheering. I don't think have you ever been on the right side of one of those. I think I was once. The Rams, when they were really good one year, I'm pretty sure Gurley did that against the Packers. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was alluding to. That's that, I had the Rams in that one. That kind of that kind of started the whole thing. Yeah, I had the Rams in that one. So you got beat by that. Uh yeah. I was on yeah, the wrong side. I was on the wrong side. I was on the wrong side of that as well. And I had him on my fantasy team. Super thrilled. That, that worked out really well. And then it's I been... think I did have a sprinkle on the Lions money line though when Gurley accidentally scored on the Falcons last year. Yeah. They just scooted over to the end. So I think I had the Lions money line there and right. Stafford and Fantasy. So it that, balanced out in the end. That unbelievable comeback there. Yep, the girly giveth and the girly taketh away. Absolutely. All right, well, we mentioned it, Scott. You had the Brewers on the money line. Finally, you were looking good. They looked like they were going to break through. They're bugaboo against the Cardinals who have run, I don't know, 130 in a row. They won 11 straight. Is that right? Uh, It was. I think it's 12 right now. Yeah, they'd won 11 straight going into today. Right. So they're playing the Cardinals. Brewers are up 5-1 after 6. They're cruising. Cardinals, uh, they said, you know what? We're not quite done yet. We're going to put up a few more runs, like seven more. The Brewers, they said, well, that's fine. That's really, we don't know. Both we didn't need, want to win anyway. We don't both need to be scoring. So they said, we're not. And the Brewers end up losing eight to five. Cardinals sweep. If you had the Brewers on the money line, you were finally in the good spot. You finally had a shot right up until the time you didn't. And you should call the cops. Cardinals team, we've been talking about them for about a week and a half. Play them, kids. 
Play them. That's all we're that's all we're saying. I don't I don't I don't know how much clearer we can make it, Scott. I don't know either. All right. Well, there is the opposite side. There's the good news cruise, and if uh, you were on the right side of one of these games, you had a nice easy time because why? You were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was between the Pirates and the Phillies. If you had the over eight in this game, it should have been closer to 18 because you had 11 runs in the first three innings. So that's already over. But for fun, they kept scoring and the game ended 12 to six. Very good. If you had the Nationals Reds under nine, three runs through the first seven innings. And uh, unlike the other game, not not enough happened after the seventh inning. It put up two runs in the ninth. That didn't matter. The game ended up three to two. You had the Reds and Reds and Nats under nine. You were pretty well sitting in the rocking chair. And the last one was the White Sox in game one against the Indians. They light a seven to nothing after two innings, and they ended up winning the seven inning game by a score of seven to two. Yep, very good. Now, I would feel remiss if I didn't mention another pretty obvious one, Scott, if you happen to have the under in the Panthers Texans game, as my premium players did. Uh, they I had, forgot to I forgot to put that in. They had seven in the first quarter, six in the second second quarter, seven in the third quarter, and they just went crazy in the fourth quarter and put up thirteen points. That game ended twenty four nine, ten points under the forty three. If you had the under there, no sweat, baby. Yep, I forgot to add that. No problem. That's what I'm here for, brother. Um, all right, this is pretty good. Oh God, oh these, oh oh man, man, do these get me steaming, Scott? Well, you mentioned the under in the Panthers game, which is a great segue into oh, this. Oh, perfect. It's perfect. And it's oh, okay, here we go. This is one of the most well deserved golden feed bags of all time. Of all time. Uh, it's going to be a long season in Houston, Scott. That's all I'm saying. Let's find out who is today's donkey of the day. Last one. There you go. You deserve it. Go Let ahead. Me do it or you? Oh, go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll chime in. For this one, we're looking at the Houston Texans coaching staff, particularly head coach David Cully. Now, Cully in week one had a clock management gaffe where he accepted and he declined an offside penalty that would have let them repeat third down, <laughs> kept it at fourth and two, and punted the ball anyway. Did did we talk about that before? I don't think we did. I don't I think, think we, we did either. To and we forgot. But there, anyway, that was incredible. Do that one more time. It was so it was third and fifth. It was third and fifteen. It was third and fifteen. They picked up thirteen yards, so it would have been fourth and two. But there was a penalty, so it, they could have brought it back. There was a like an offside. It would have been third and ten. They declined the penalty and then punted. Didn't take a shot at fourth down. Didn't even take a shot at third down in 10. By the way, that's free, Scott. Yes. Okay. Sorry. That was from, that was from last week. And the point is that... I'm just getting ramped up, baby. I'm pretty sure Cohen learned his clock management skills from Anthony Lynn. Because we had another situation in this game. Not really clock management based, but you have David Mills at quarterback. Your team is six points, right? It's a one-point game in the third quarter. You actually have a decent drive going. And it's fourth and four at the Carolina 39-yard line. Go. Let's go. Now, go. McCaffrey's injured. Uh, so Carolina's uh, offense uh, up uh, to that uh, point uh, had done uh, nothing. Let's go. So even if you go, even if you go for it and you miss, 
Carolina's offense only seven points. Oh, my afraid Yet, of Chuba Hubbard. Come on. Houston didn't even fake the punt. Instead, they took the classic delay of game and punted the ball anyway. Carolina got the ball, went 90 yards for a touchdown. 1982 Chuck Knoll would be thrilled, Scott. You can't even send the, the offense out to try to draw them offside. Something. Take the delay of game anyway. Something. Anything. Stop like you it. You punt from the other team's 39 in the third quarter with fourth and four. What are you serious? Here. And the announcers even said that Sly is the kicker. He's got a cannon. Yeah, he actually can make it from sure. that range inside of a dome. That's your that's your second choice. That's so your. He didn't he didn't even go for it. He didn't kick the field goal. Instead, he punted while his team was down one, and then his team ended up getting killed. Go for it up here. Kick the field goal right here. A C punt way down there. Wait, I think that I think you can make an argument for a 50-50 split between going forward and kicking. Sure. Because that would that would give you the lead if he actually makes the kick, but you cannot punt there. It's like but it's like bunting in a 2-2 game or a 2-1 game. You know, they're not scoring a lot of runs. It's the seventh inning. Kick the field goal, see if you can play some defense like you have for the first half and see if you can hang on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, Scott, I'm not asking them to go full Kevin Kelly. They don't have they don't have to uh, they don't have to go for it on fourth and sixteen from the two their own two yard line, but that is it's malpractice. The math on that isn't even close. No. And so they they okay so what okay so they got to the ten, so they picked up twenty nine yards. Then what happened with Carolina Scott? But what do you mean they picked up 29? You mean with the, the punt? Yeah, they picked up 29 yards in the yeah, punt. Carolina went 90 yards and scored a touchdown immediately. Exactly. Exactly. And they probably and they were probably back to the 39 in, what, two or three plays? You know how many stops uh, Houston had in the entire second half? Zero. I was going to guess zero. Zero. Yeah, well. So that's... you can make an argument the game was over once he punted. Yeah, you, you could make that argument, and you'd probably be right. You're absolutely correct. Unbelievable situational football. Some of the worst ever. I, I It's really, really bad, especially nowadays where everyone is trying to delve more into the analytics in various sports. Yeah. You have to know the chart on when to go for it and when not to, or even just common sense. You got to try. If you're, if you're on the other side of the 40, automatic. A automatic field goal or go for it. Never I would say punt. automatic within five yards. You mean, okay, so... If it's, well, I mean, so it's what do you what are you saying? The argument is that you have a rookie quarterback who you don't trust. Your receivers stink besides Brandon Cook. So kick, kick field goal. I think on fourth and eight you could punt there, maybe or no. at least kick it, try kick the, something. Kick, but the, kick the field goal. It doesn't fourth matter. Fourth and five, uh, you got or fourth and four, you got to go. I agree, totally, totally agree. Plus, what are you playing for this year? You know, you're not going to the Super Bowl, David. Sorry, sorry, David. All right, quick reminder, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Sorry for the rant, guys. That was When, when we picked that, that was just so perfect. I, we loved it, because you had the under, you had Carolina. Oh, yeah. I had the team total it was under. Fantastic. It was perfect. Yes. I can't, Cully is already proving that he's a bottom two coach in the league, and he might not be. <laughs> a bottom two coach. I, I, he's my, he might be ahead of Urban Meyer, but Meyer probably would have went for it in that situation. To paraphrase uh, Bum, Bum Phillips, I'm not saying he's the worst coach in the class, but it don't take long to call roll. Do you know that quote? I do know that quote. Yeah. But, uh, and who do you know who he was talking about? That I don't recall. Earl Campbell. Said, oh, he, Earl Campbell? Said he, ain't that, he may not be the head of his class, but it don't take long to call roll. Oh. God bless Bum Phillips. <laughs> Great dude. 
Great dude. All right, Scott. Um, the odds makers, Scott, they found the bottle again. They found the bottle again and started drinking pretty heavily. This is one. They we, made it. They made a day. They took a gap day. We do. We, we talked. We talked about it. I wrote it as one of my premiums yesterday. It just. It's just fantastic. It's a trend that I hope you guys were on, and it because it's on. It's, we mention it every day during the MLB breakdown. Right, we do, and it pretty much single handedly is going to cost Oakland a playoff spot if they if they'd have played five hundred ball. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, Scott. Let's find out why the odds makers were drunk. All right, so the Seattle Mariners, who are the, uh, by the way, third most profitable team overall in Major League Baseball and the most profitable road team in the American League, they have owned the Oakland Athletics, especially in Oakland. They ran their record today to 9-1 and this season in Oakland, including sweeping all four games of the most recent series. Scott, how many of those games were the Seattle Mariners favored in? Zero. Zero. The same number of stomps the Texans got in the second half. Absolutely zip, zilch, goose egg, nada. Uh, how many of those did you play, Scott? I played all of them. I played all of them as well. Just an absolute... I mentioned it before the series. I said Seattle owns this team for whatever reason, and they mm-hmm. kept getting plus money. It didn't make any sense. Nope. And it was we had we had the perfect storm. On Wednesday night, as you had Chris Flexen, the most profitable pitcher in Major League Baseball, pitching for the Mariners at a plus price, right in the zone, right where he likes it, plus 127. Yes, please. Unreal. I. I By the way, I know you might want to factor in home field advantage as to why Oakland was favored. Do you know what the attendance was in the Oakland Coliseum for Wednesday's game? Day game? Uh, no. Oh, it was a night, was game. A night it game. It was a night game. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, for Wednesday. For Wednesday, it's September. It's the middle of the week. I'm gonna go. I don't with have the n- information for yesterday's game, but I have Wednesday. I'm gonna go with 9,816. Can I interest you? Remember, this is a team fighting for a playoff spot. Uh huh. Four thousand. No. One hundred and forty-nine. Can't they? Can't they? Don't they do like where they put in the season ticket holders anyway? And like they sh- need to go back to the COVID move and just have fake cutouts of people in the stands. <laughs> they need to try something. That's. Do you guys still for a playoff spot? You have four thousand people there. Do you guys still have the cutouts? Could we throw something. some cutouts up in the outfield? The point is, there's no fans there, so home field doesn't even apply. That I don't even know what the percentage of capacity is for that, but it's higher than it's higher than ten. I was gonna say like ten, like you're hovering ten, like that's that's not home field advantage. That's just nothing. What do you what do you, what do you got? Like one person in a row. Everybody gets their four own. You're getting a row. 4,100 people and this team is fighting for a playoff spot. Well, well, here's my question. Most teams have sold five five figures of season tickets. So those count automatically because they're sold. Okay? Yeah. So how many season tickets have they sold? I have no idea. Maybe that's why Oakland wants to move. Wasn't much of a walk-up either. And I'm, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's September in the in the Bay. If you if you've never been, it's chilly. It's you know it's it's like low sixties probably upper fifties and it's it's a little breezy it's cold. By, by the way, the Coliseum capacity with the tarps in place fifty eight thousand forty six thousand. Oh, with the tarps in place, yeah, 46. without the tarps, it's fifty six thousand. Yeah, that's that's so the they one. They were less than ten percent. That's the one I remembered. The fifty eight, yeah, so fifty six thousand. Less than ten percent of the people showed up for a September baseball game. Well, thank God they put the tarps down. <laughs> yep. 
They need to they need to buy more tarps. So, you know, I I think we kind of missed the boat, Scott, because that Oakland crowd. You know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's the one right there. So I I thought it was worth a nugget just throwing in there that home field advantage doesn't really exist for this team. No, it doesn't. And I don't know like the Chargers where you have other teams fans who are buying 90% of the tickets. Oh, I don't think it's that way. I don't think I don't think it's that way anymore. It was it was that way. The, at Cow- the-, the Cowboys said it was. It was that way. At the- well, the Cowboys are different because they're American. I'm just team. saying, though, the Cowboys, I'm assuming, had 80% of the No, of they didn't have 80%. 70? No. The Cowboys F- said it was a home game. They were all in the press conference talking about how great the crowd was. They think- were all rooting for Dallas in Los no. Angeles. 50-50. I at, think it was more worst. than 50. But um, point is, there's a lot of really bad crowds going on in California. There is. There, there, absolutely, there absolutely is. At least it's better than the soccer field where... The Chargers were forced to play. Okay, bud, I'm all fired up, man. I'm I'm all, I'm just I, that just I I had to mention the nugget there. It was going to take us on a segue, but four thousand people and it, oh god, and, and that's it's so bad. And it's not it's not like it's in Green Bay where where you've yes, got you, you know hundred hundred and forty thousand people or whatever. You factor that in plus the fact that Seattle's been dominating this team, and yet Oakland was favored for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, don't know. I don't get it. Whatever. Hey, we could go. You could go see Corbin Burns pitch on Saturday for six dollars in Milwaukee. It's a steal. It really is. It really I'm curious is. if I called up the Athletics, would they give me free tickets because they just want bodies out there? I would think so. We, I don't we, know. You tell me you got a press pass. You go, yeah, you can come in. If but you're you, listening you, to this in the California area. Try to get free tickets to A's games by calling up. Yeah. Why not? Why? Yeah. Why? You know because. You got to pay for them. You seriously going to burn the four, the forty thousand tickets anyway? You know, you know what they found out in a lot of theaters, comedy clubs, et cetera, when they started giving away tickets, Scott, that the people that are sitting in those free seats, uh, they drink and eat a lot more than the empty chairs do. Yeah, because they save money for the tickets, so you can spend money on the concessions. Perfect, great yeah. idea. All right, so Tom Brady got traded to Tampa Bay. Did you know that? Did you hear that? I heard that somewhere. He didn't get traded. Actually, he signed. But anyway. Yeah. So Brady's trainer was being interviewed, and he said that Belichick never evolved in how he treated poor old Tom Brady. He said he uh, still treated him like he was a player in his 20s, not a player in his uh, late 30s, early 40s, whatever the case may have been. And he said he should have been treated with some deference and not treated like every other schmo on the Patriots team. Scott, I'm old school, so I may have a different opinion, but... Are you okay with this? Do you think there should be different levels of treatment based on a player's age and or their level of contribution? Well, when you say treatment, do you mean just based on dialogue or are you talking about saving yourself from doing sprints and workouts? Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably the case. You're you're getting you you're you're getting preferential treatment. Hey, hey, Tom sit this one out. Uh here, come hey, here. I, I'm I'm fine with that because Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. He is not. I'm sure everyone would agree with that they at this not. point. No. Well, I'm most successful quarterback of all time. Better? Okay, that is better. So if you want to say that, then I think you should. Because you looked at the rest of that, ten- of that uh, New England team the last year he was there. It wasn't really a good team. And Brady's in his 40s. Does he really need to do gassers with the second string tight end? I'm going to say no. Builds character. Sounds like something Joe Judge would do. Okay. All right. No. So I'm, I'm out. I know where you're going with this, but I do think there should be preferential treatment to some degree. 
not to the level of Mike Tomlin when Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell were still there where you can just let them do whatever they wanted. Right. But I do think you should at least acknowledge that this player is more valuable. We can't have him getting injured in practice. It definitely happens because do you think if Cole Beasley were an undrafted slot receiver from let, he didn't get vaccinated, let, let's say let's say Richmond. I think you're gonna say Lamar. Huh? But that's also another example that works. Lamar Jackson. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, uh, he didn't get the, he didn't get the vaccine. Cool. Thanks for the win against Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but that's what I'm saying. If 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 you've got a if you've got a you know a, a, a what is it, what is he five nine, hundred hundred eighty pounds. If you if you've got a rookie that's five nine hundred eighty pounds, he's an undrafted free agent from Old Dominion, and he's on Twitter telling you how he ain't going to get vaxxed and this and this and this is going to happen. There's no way he's seeing the light of day on an NFL field. Yeah, so there is preferential treatment. I think it's wrong. I guess the question that you're asking now is, did Belichick have any preferential treatment ever to Brady? I have to assume there was some, but probably not as much as he wanted. Of course, Brady, when asked to comment, he was very, very noncommittal. I enjoyed my time in Tampa. I enjoyed my time in New England. Everybody treated me well. I'm having a great time in Tampa, blah, blah, blah. But I think the trainers just trying to poke the bear for no reason. Yeah, he said, you know, people, people for whatever reason, they really try to protect you, and they're not there to see everything. And, you know, he kind of, he didn't throw his trainer under the bus, but he kind of nudged him towards the street a little bit. He should have. Uh, I, I don't know what the hell the trainer's doing. Yeah, I don't. Team's I don't. undefeated. You're facing off against the Rams this upcoming week. Why are you talking about Belichick? Why are you talking at all? No, Correct. No one cares. Your job's to give him the pills and to help him work out. That's it. So speaking of the NFL, I'm pretty excited about this. This is going to be fun. The NFL is considering, of course, it's just a trial balloon, so it's it's attributed to an anonymous, unofficial source. But of course, it was uh, broken by the three by the four letter network. So the NFL is considering moving one game in the wild card round to Monday night, Scott. So they jacked with the playoff format last year. They liked that so much they decided to keep it this year with the 14 instead of 12 teams. So you'd have two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, one game on Monday. Bum, 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 bum. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Are you a fan of this? No. What? I, th- I think it's stupid. Really? The, the main reason why I don't like it, I love the idea of having a playoff Monday night game. Yeah. But the rest disadvantage that you'd have to face in the next round would be absolutely brutal. I, I don't think that it's fair that you give one playoff team one less day of preparation in the in the playoffs. I think that's ridiculous. You play Sunday, Saturday. For the for the yeah, but I'm saying you could have hypothetically two days of differential there. Yeah, but you're not going to do that. You're you gonna, could. You what do you mean you're not going to do that? They're not going to do. Well, they, they, they you're not going to do that. You're not going to make them play five days. I'm just saying there are a couple of caveats that need to be put in to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. Okay. If they iron that out then maybe I'd be okay with it. Okay. But as of right now, you have to make sure that there's not a complete rest disadvantage for the second round. I agree with that. You have to, you'd, you'd have to keep it equal. You couldn't, and you couldn't have one team play on, you know, Saturday, one team play on Sunday. I, that, yeah, you can do that. You can have one team playing on Saturday and one on Monday and they're playing again on Saturday. Like that's just ridiculous. Okay. All right. But Jesus. I God. think the Monday night idea is fine. You're basically asking me, do I want them to space out the game so we can all bet on each individual game one at a time? Yeah, I mean, works for me. You get more content out of it. Uh, but what do we end up? We end up having anyway. we end up having competing games on Sunday, right? Oh, uh, we do. So that's stupid. 
That's that's absolutely ridiculous. You, you, you I understand that part. I, I just have you, an issue. You play with a the you play a stuff. you play a noon. You play a four. You play a seven thirty. You play a Monday night. Come on, it ain't that hard, kids. I'm just calling it out because the NFL claims they're about player safety and whatever. Then they add another. Well, nobody game. believes that. No, nobody does. But I'm just saying it's so out in the open how fraudulent that statement is. Right. That it's just comical at this point. I mean, I mean, the NFL is all about player safety when they are absolutely shoved up against the wall with a gun to their head. And then they're like, you know, maybe we should look at this concussion thing. Uh, Not to mention all the people that have been involved in lawsuits after they retired and at the struggle for years before finally getting paid in some settlement that probably wasn't as big as it should have been. No, and they fought, they fought it hard, Scott. They fought it. They they fought a lot of players died before their families even got the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I I guarantee you we could do an entire podcast on that whole situation. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to because it's certainly been asked and answered. It's kind of in the past, but uh, the NFL is nobody's pal. Okay, let's just they're a, they are a cold hearted calculating business, and that's it. They ha- they happen to have their commodities happen to be human beings, but that is really the only difference, and it doesn't change how they treat. It doesn't tra- treat how they uh, change how they treat their employees. Um, uh, that's, no, they make a statement it's not a for that solely for PR. They don't do anything to actually promote the safety of players. But you know it's costing the NFL viewers because if of you course. if you have four games at separate times, you're going to do better than you have three games or four games and three of them and, and two of them are roughly played at the same time on Sunday. Yeah, maybe that's just me, but I hate how they claim they're for player safety by changing the rules in the game to make it less contact based. But then outside the game, they just shove you to the curb. Yep. Like, like, can we just acknowledge that there's no consistency there? Absolutely agree. Hey, guys, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this message. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay, hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting and they give you all the opinions that you need yeah see and the thing i like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context you know you go to some places and they just throw numbers 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 but they don't tell you what they mean and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context but they're fantastic writers they're great handicappers you mentioned college football coming up that's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, 
man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. to the second half hour of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And Scott, we got some winners coming up this weekend. We have the Ryder Cup. Four. Everybody's saying, wait a minute, isn't that played in even number of years? They play the Ryder Cup every two years, right? Every four years. I believe it's every two. Yeah, that's what I thought. I think I, think, I thought it was every even numbered year. I mean, so anyway, this is really it's the... Tr- wor- it's World Cup 2020 and 2021. That's exactly what it is. It's Ryder Cup 2020. It's going to be played at uh, Whistling Straits, Scott, up there at... Uh, Milwaukee. Right outside, right outside of Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So, which is, is this something you would go see? You were telling me, you were telling me you'd never gone to see a golf event. I've never seen a golf event. It's a lot of fun. I've, uh, I've, never, been to, I've never been to a PGA event. I've been to the uh, second tier tour. Been to the ladies, uh, been to the LPGA, and I got to see a a fivesome with Tom Watson, Chichi Rodriguez, Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, and Jack Nicholas. It's a hell like of a group. Eight feet away, they they played. Uh, Tom Tom Watson did a uh, does a, a fundraiser tournament every season, and uh, nice. that was that was pretty cool. Cause... When it comes to me going to an event, I'm sure other people would feel the same way, but of course, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I would rather go if Tiger was in the field. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say, my TV is so good. Why would I even go? I'm just going to say it. If I was going to go, Tiger would need to be there. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's that's good. I'm sure other people would disagree. I think most would agree. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's probably true. And the the attendance certainly would indicate that that's the case. So we got opening uh, opening matches here today, Scott. It is. Uh, the foursomes, and of course, by the time you hear this on the radio show, we a lot of them will have already gone off, but the folks that are watching the video or downloading the podcast, they have a little shot at it here. So first of all, let's talk about the overall odds, the odds for the USA to win. Pretty prohibitive, Scott. Minus 210. If you like the Europeans, you can get plus 180 on your money. And if... Uh, uh, if you want to go with no tie, if you want to go for a tie, because there's there's 28 points, by the way. So if you want to go for a 14-14 tie, that would be plus 1150. Any interest? Uh, for the tie, no. I do think it'll be close, just because the Ryder Cup always seems to be decided within two three points mm-hmm. uh, for most years. So I do think you'll see it competitive, but the USA on paper should dominate. I mean, you're looking at the overall rosters here. It's really not close, but the question is how well they're going to work together in some of the actual paired events. Right. But you got DJ, Morikawa, Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, uh, Thomas, DeChambeau, Finau, Kepka, Harris English, Jordan Spieth, Berger, and Scotty Scheffler. That's a ridiculous group. I mean, it was better when Patty Reed was involved, and now, of course, he got injured, so he couldn't do it, so they had to find a replacement. But you go so deep with that group right there. I, I got to think the USA wins, don't you? I'm. Um. I, I agree. I think it will be close. I'm looking at Europe plus two and a half at minus okay. at minus one hundred five. Well, I'm a big fan of Rom and Hovland, mm-hmm. but Hatton's been inconsistent. Rory, you never know what you're going to get from him. 
Uh, I like Fitzpatrick. I think Casey's pretty good. The point is they have some guys. Like, they have Sergio who can go on a run. They got some guys who have some upside. But just top to bottom, I do think there are a couple more wild cards on Europe, which is why the U.S. is favored. Yeah, you got, you've got John Rahm and Sergio Garcia lead off against Justin Thomas and just Dustin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. And Europe's actually favored there. Scott minus 112, it's minus 108. On the other side, Sergio Garcia, the wink link there, right? I got to assume so. Of course, he has the experience. He's been around the tour for so long. Right. Turgio is always one of those guys who has the talent to you win say, a major or to be great. Turgio? I said Sergio. Okay. Okay. So he has he has always the talent to win majors and do everything like that, but people know him around the tour, besides the fact he won one Masters, as being a choker. Because in big moments, he tends to miss some important putts. So let me ask you, are you worried about the fact this is the youngest Ryder Cup team ever? Average average age under 30? Do you I think, think it could factor Does experience in make a difference in these big events like this? I don't know if it matters for the age or just the lack of experience paired together with one another. So I think the singles events, the U.S. should be fine anyway. I think it's the group events where maybe they're not fully on the same page in terms of chemistry, where they right. might fall a bit behind, which mm-hmm. I think could be a concern. But the singles events, the U.S. should win the majority of. Yeah, like you said, on paper it looks good, and weird things happen at the Ryder Cup, and this is something that Europe Europe has done very well at here lately. So it'll be interesting. If you want to, to talk see. about the odds around two ten, I think it should be closer to one ninety, but I think the U.S. should be favored because they're significantly more talented. Agreed, agreed. But like like I said, that's why I like I, I like a I like Europe at plus two and a half. You can you can catch them at plus three and a half minus one forty five. Don't hate that. Do you want to pick an MVP, quote-unquote, for the winning team? I'm going with Spieth. I think that there is a – I think it's a dark horse candidate to make a, some serious noise in this tournament. You know, Colin Morikawa played so this well event, I to, should say. to end the season. I'll ride the hot hand. Okay. I'll ride Morikawa there. I don't know. Spieth just seems like the guy who's unpredictable, mm-hmm. but when the stage is – pretty big yep. he usually delivers you're right you're right and he can and he can definitely go on runs too you talk about Sergio being able to go on a run uh Spieth can put them together as well mm. all right bud so we've got we've got some football tonight football um I'm pretty I'm pretty excited there's some there is some intriguing games on this schedule would you agree with that oh how, how are they not intriguing I can see Syracuse play I was talking about Brown and Harvard oh of course it is, it is, you know what though? It is kind of cool to see the Ivy League back in action because they, yeah. they took the whole season off last year of football and basketball. So good to see them playing. By the way, Harvard 15 point favorite, 64 is your, is your number there. I'm not taking Brown. What can, what can, what can Brown do for you? I think I'll lose to Harvard by over two touchdowns. Yeah, I think they'll probably lose by 17 plus. I'm with you. So, Here's a couple of uh, teams that are kind of hard to get a handle on, Scott. Middle Tennessee State at Charlotte. That's the early game. That's 6.30 Eastern time. Charlotte's home team favored by three, which indicates the oddsmakers pretty much call this game a toss-up on a neutral field. Are you buying that? I actually am. I think Middle Tennessee is a team that a lot of people didn't like going into the season because they were barely favored against Monmouth in their first game. Right. I actually like Middle Tennessee State's quarterback. Like, I don't think he was that bad at NC State. 
and Reynolds has been around the block a few times at at uh, Charlotte. They had the big win against Duke earlier this year. I want to take Charlotte in this game, but if you're talking about the fact that it's Pickham without the home field advantage, that sounds right to me. You? Um, I thought. Unless Hawkman's out, and I—that's what I was. Something. I, I something is something is tugging at me. Um, is Hawkman out? That I I want to. Well, Hawkman did play okay. in the last game against UTSA, but he only went five for twelve. So I don't know if he got injured. Maybe I forgot about that. That's and I th- I was I swore that was a. Uh... Oh no, Scotty quit. Oh, he quit. He quit. That's. Or, I, was, uh... I was gonna say I didn't think he got injured. Um. Yeah, yeah, he he left the team the team after three games. I there was something tugging at my brain about this. So okay, so maybe I forgot that he also left. I just remembered that Brewer left for U, left Utah, and I I guess I forgot that Hockman also left. Right. So what do you make of that? Uh, I like Charlotte anyway, but if the reason why I didn't think Middle Tennessee State would be god awful was because of their quarterback who just left, right. I gotta go with Charlotte, don't I? Yeah, I think I think you really do. Um, Charlotte, you know, they were kind of surprising there as they beat as I, they I beat Duke. Duke. I mean, were you, what's that? So I think Duke stinks. So I actually predicted Charlotte in, with a sprinkle on the money line on that matchup. But they're not a good team. They just have a pretty nice home field. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm troubled by the loss to Georgia State. It's not great, but then again, I think we would agree that Reynolds is a guy who. He's one of the best quarterbacks that this program's ever had, which isn't really saying much, but he's experienced. He can run, and I like him more than Cunningham for Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, I, I have to I have to agree with that. Um, any worries with the defense? It's not great, but I don't think Middle Tennessee State's defense is that good either. That's why I think it's close. Okay. But, you know, I'm going to go with Charlotte just because it's their third straight road game. I think they're going to struggle in this spot. What is this game with Hawkman in place? I think it would be Pickham. I think it would be Pickham. Yeah. Okay. You got, a, you got a thought on the on the total? I'm going to go with the under. Not thrilled with it, but if my main argument was, I think the middle Tennessee State's offense is going to struggle with the backup quarterback in. Right. I got to stick with that, so I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I got, I'm kind of with you there as well. And... The rest of these games should be pretty entertaining because there's at least... One, one way or another, they should be entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The first one's going to be the 7 p.m. Eastern game. That's going to be between Wake Forest and Old Virginia. The Virginia Cavaliers. This one opened up at 4, now pretty much sitting 3.5 across the board. Opened up at 67. They're Over ha- under 950 passing yards between these two teams. Uh, under. I, I agree. I was joking, but the point is Virginia's quarterback had 550 last week. 554, yep. Uh, we know that Hartman's been in college for about 45 years at Wake Forest, but he can sling the, the rock a little bit. Sling I, like, I like points here. I'm going with the over. Kind of hard to get away from that, isn't it? It really is, because Wake Forest, their defense stopped Florida State. I don't know if that means anything. Maybe the Wake defense is undervalued. But I know for a fact Virginia's defense is not very good. No, and that's that's really the problem. And they absolutely struggle against the run. And, you know, in a perfect world, that's what Wake Forest is going to do. I think this game's going to be a track meet. I think you'll see one of these teams probably get to 40. But close game down to the wire, 
what do you think, like 42, 38? I wouldn't doubt that a bit. Um, Christian Beal Smith, he's kind of the real deal for Wake Forest as far as running the football goes, averaging almost six yards a carry. I think he has a field day with with this defensive line of uh, uh, um, of Virginia. Now, can they stop Virginia at all? No, that's why I like the over. Okay, all right. That's... Do you? I, I don't think they're going to stop Virginia that often. You know, they've had they they've got decent stats against the pass only because they've they've picked off they've picked off six balls so far this year, including including. You know they got, and that's the other thing about that Florida State game. They they got they got six turnovers, Scott. They got three fumbles, yeah. three interceptions. That's likely not repeatable. And I would say when your turnover when your turnover differential is plus five, you're a 94 percent favorite, probably. Assuming there aren't many turnovers in this game, I think you should see both teams be in plus territory on almost every drive. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with the over. All right, good enough. Uh, gun to your head on the side. Uh, I'll go with Virginia. I'll take the home team on Friday night. Okay. All right. I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you there as well. It's really, really tough to go against the home team in a weekday game or oh Friday game in this case. Does, does that make a difference? Do you look at those stats when you'll see trends and you'll see a team is really good on Friday night? Does, does that matter to you? I think Friday actually does because most of the time when you're having a Saturday game, knowing what happened in college when I was around, a lot of people are still sleeping on Saturday because they're still a little bit hungover. So if you are if you have a night game on Friday, you're pre-gaming the entire day, you just finished classes for the week, I think that the crowd's a little bit more amped for a Friday night game. That's an interesting take. I, n- I never thought about it from that standpoint. So the crowd's just a little more a little more juiced up if you will scott i would say because they haven't drunk that they're not out of energy yet because they haven't been drinking all weekend yet most people are partying friday night onward you can turn the game into a tailgate into a party so the crowd i think is louder on friday all right fair fair enough do you do you buy that conspiracy theory i do and i got i got my own take here and we'll hear about it right after the break you guys stay tuned we'll be right back oh no we've already done the break i know we did okay (laughs) <laughs> every quarter. All good. So here's what else I learned about Friday night, Scott. When I did stand-up, they'd do two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night. First show Friday night was rocking. You'd have people that were like at happy hour. They're all happy. The, mm-hmm. we- the weekend's on. Second show Friday, if you were going to have a bad show, that was most likely to be your worst show of the week. And the reasoning is the people would go to happy hour, they'd start drinking right after work, and by 10, 10.30, they'd be a little partied out. They'd be kind of in a surly mood, and it wasn't nearly as good a crowd. So I can see that about a, for a 7 o'clock start. That is that is peak alcohol uh, consumption right there. You're just right in that zone when you're fired up, but you're not you know, laying against the wall puking. You just finished two essays in the library you're going over, and you're just getting hammered. Right, right, absolutely true. So very good. All right, another game, and, and they do have these grouped out. At least they're not at the exact same time, so you might be able to catch one after another. Uh, of course, the answer there is more TVs, of course, but Liberty at Syracuse. Scott, that's going to be your 8 p.m. Eastern time start. Uh, pretty much opened up as Liberty minus six, now gone to six and a half across the board. 
Opened at 52.5, now starting to uh, pretty much see 54 in most spots with some 53.5 sprinkled in. Liberty, really good team, really good quarterback. Struggled a little bit this season, Scott. Syracuse? They They were better last year. Why? Great question. I'm just stating the obvious. Okay. All right. I thought you might have. I'm, no, I thought I'm you might saying, might have a theory to pause. Definitely a better, more consistent team last year. Do you think there's something to do with the fact that they're not sneaking up on anybody? I think it could, but the one game they really had an issue with was against Troy, and I watched Troy against Southern Mississippi. That's just a really good defense. I know that they're in the Sun Belt and all. Mm-hmm. Troy's just good when I watched them play defense. So I know Liberty didn't move the ball that well against them. I know Troy sacked Willis. I believe it was like six times in that game. They, they, it wasn't pretty. They got, they, got, they got to him a lot. Yeah, but Syracuse has been a team that has been pretty good defensively. I'm going to ignore the Albany game because they scored 60 points and then basically just took a nap. Right. They scored 40 and took a nap. But they beat Ohio, who we both know is awful. And they lost to Rutgers. I, I didn't by know 10. it. I didn't know it soon enough, but yes. Yeah, I, 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 that team's terrible. But anyway, I have a question about Syracuse's offense because I don't think it's very good, and I have never been a Devito guy who's been there for maybe twenty years. Danny Devito? Uh, no, Tommy Devito, I believe. Accession drummer Liberty Devito? Uh, not quite. Okay. But Tommy DeVito, I swear, he's still a junior. I swear he's been in college for 10 years. <laughs> Gets benched every year after like five games for being terrible. Yeah. We've, we've, we've really had it with him this time. He... I'm going with Liberty, but I think my favorite play is the under. Okay. I don't trust Syracuse's offense and Liberty's defense is better than people think. And the Syracuse defense has been, has been a little bit of, has been a little bit better. Yeah, it's not a bad unit. I just question the actual strength of schedule when the best team you played against is arguably Rutgers. Not a Rutgers guy? You don't think it's the resurgent Rutgers year? I like Shiano, but you only scored seven points against Rutgers, so I have questions about your offense. Yeah, not not a good not a good look. Um, yeah, of course, like you said, they, they routed Albany. But as we've seen, Ohio, not a good team. And they, they did... They well, did. I, I also mentioned that the crowd's going to be hammered. So that definitely would benefit Syracuse and the carrier dome. But you have any thoughts on that? I, I think it'll be close for a little while. I just think Liberty has too much talent and didn't Liberty destroy them last year. Like handily. Did they, did they, did they play out of conference last year? I'm pretty sure Liberty beat them by like four touchdowns. Cause I'm pretty sure I had money on it. You, but I can check that in a second. You were but wagering point, on you were wagering on a uh, on a sporting event that seems unlike you. Uh, n- definitely unlike. Uh, Syracuse loses by seventeen to Liberty, thirty-eight twenty-one. Okay. I believe the spread on that was like th- between three and seven, and I just watched the game and Liberty was just better in every area. Yeah, I'll they, go with Liberty, but I think this game will be closer. Give me Liberty by nine. Mm, I think you're trying to be a little too fancy there, Dan. I am trying to be fancy. I'll go the I'll go the other way. I'll take I'll take the home team. I'll take the, I'll take the home dog, the Power Five school. We Scott, we've we've been we've fallen into this trap this season before about oh it's a really good group of five school going up against a bad Power Five school, and the Power Fives usually fare pretty well. In those that's ones. what I'm saying to you. So I I like now that you've convinced me that everyone in Syracuse is going to be drunk for this game. They should be. I'm not going to lie. They should be. <laughs> 
uh after Syracuse top five party school in America so they should be I just had I just had that American Gov 312 test I'm ready to rock and roll bud yep all right so the nightcap this one will pretty much have the stage all to itself it's the UNLV Rebels against the Fresno State Bulldoggies well we're going to talk about the total oh that's right save something that's right we do oh we do have a little special play on this one don't we so you know what let's just save the whole thing Scott let's just take a look at baseball we don't we don't get a chance to head to the diamond for more than a couple of picks. So uh, let's stretch out a little bit. We've got a lot of night games, a lot of pennant races really heating up here. We've got to find out where St. Louis is playing. Um, Cardinals are actually playing in Chicago against the Cubs. No line on that as we speak right now. I see an opener of about minus 180. For Flaherty over Davies? Yeah. Hello, run line. Give me the give me the give me the run line about what minus one fifteen or so. I'm actually not touching the run line. I like the over because Flaherty's been awful since he's come back from injury. He really hasn't been the same for the last couple of months. Davies, I know, is bad. I'm just going to take the over. Really, just stepping right out there, huh? Well, look at Flaherty's last couple of starts. He's been atrocious. I gotta go. I'm gonna go with the over. Okay. You think you think there's an injury there? I know that he missed a decent amount of time because of injury, and since he came back, he hasn't really been the same. Same thing that happened to Kluber when he came back for the Yankees, and he was awful for about three straight starts. Yeah, he's been... Now, now to be fair... It's not great. Flaherty was really good his first his first start. He was decent his second start, and then he got lit up against Detroit last time out. So he's made, he's made two quality starts. His first two starts, he gave up two runs in 12 innings. I'm fine with that. Okay, that's fine. But then he just got hammered, like you said, his last time out. So I'm. I'm gonna I, go with the over. Um, Give me runs. I'm not. Just for God's sakes, bet the Cardinals. Just that too. Do it. Take the Cardinals on the run line. Good God, don't overthink it. I don't see a line on this one, but I got to look at the Giants' run line against the Rockies. You have Lambert on the mound for Colorado against Alex Wood. I feel like Wood wins every game he starts. And we just had this series where the Giants absolutely smacked Colorado in Coors Field. I got to take the run line on that one. Yeah, they kind of they kind of put a little bit of a crimp in that old uh, Colorado is the great team at home. Uh, yeah, San Francisco didn't care. They just killed this team. Yeah, they, they absolutely did. We've, we've ridden Alex Wood lately, and he's been pretty good to us, Scott. This is a another one of these San Francisco pitchers that just kind of Came out of nowhere, you know. You just kind of was a toiler for his entire career, and uh, he's been he's been good. He was, uh, yeah. It's it's he's given up he's given up two earned or less in every one of his starts except one since July. So and they have won seven of his last eight, including his last two. So I'm also gonna stick with that division. I'll take the Dodgers run line as well against Arizona. Yeah, I think it's time. I think the Dodgers are. I, everybody that was, a, that was a big win yesterday. Yeah, it was a it was a huge win. I think everybody in the country is just holding their breath, going, "God, really? Are the Dodgers going to do it?" That's. Gonna... I just I know Arizona came back in Atlanta yesterday. Mm-hmm. They got buried for the first couple games in that series. I think the Dodgers roll. Yeah, Gonsolin, you can just play the run line there. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Play a little. You could also play a little money line parlay if you wanted to. You could take San Francisco and the Dodgers. I did that today. Also, it didn't work yeah, out. But. Also looking at a bit of a sprinkle there on the Nationals. I know we said yesterday we didn't want to lay 200 with Castillo because the Reds are falling apart. 
I don't want to lay 180 with Gray, so I'll take the dog there. Okay. Yeah, this is a Cincinnati team that... They're bad. They're done, buddy. I think they're done. They're uh, done. The Padres are done. I know yep. the Padres won yesterday, but, I mean, the Cardinals keep winning. Like, they're, they're digging themselves in a hole, and they might have accidentally fallen to the center of the earth at this point. Um, San Diego hasn't announced a pitcher yet, but DraftKings has... Uh, has them as minus one twenty five against Max Freed in the in the Braves. If, if that holds, I'm just taking Freed blindly. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think you have to take take it take Atlanta and Freed at a plus price. I don't trust it. the San Diego team went from basically being almost a guarantee to make the playoffs to being about two games over five hundred. Mm-hmm. They've I got to go with Atlanta. They've been dreadful. Well, we talked about that horrific losing streak they went on. Yeah, and they have been not good at all. Uh, anything else stand out to you? I'm looking at Detroit, uh, just because I like how this team's played for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I know you're a Hernandez guy, but Detroit should be very rested because the last game they had was rained out. Mize, of course, is on the pitch count, so that is a bit concerning. But Hernandez was really good when he started. Right. I think we would agree that he teams have kind of figured him out a little bit over his last couple outings. Perhaps. I'll look at Detroit for the price point. I played Detroit first five there. I don't want to get yeah. I don't want to get involved with six innings of the Tigers bullpen. But I might want to get involved with six innings of the Royals bullpens. So that's why it gets a little tricky. And depending on the weather there, you might get a price at, at nine. All right, bud. Well, it's the last day of the week. It's the uh, last part of the show. It's that time where we put our heads together, come up with our very favorite play. This is the one if you had to make it, if you had to put all your chips in the middle. This is the play we would recommend, guys. Put on that straw hat. Drink, drink your, uh, drink your moonshine. I don't know what farmers drink. Coors Light, probably. Could be. Okay, fair enough. Bush. Uh, <laughs> head for the mountains, kids. Climb on your tractor, because it's time for what? Bet the farm. That's right. All right. As we mentioned earlier, we are going to be turning our attention to the gridiron for this play. And we are indeed saving the best for last as the Fresno State Bulldogs are laying 30 points at home. My God, that sounds like a ton, Scott. But it's not because this Fresno State team is really good. 3-1 and one on the season. Their only loss, of course, was to Oregon on the road by seven points, a game that you and I were both all over. Uh, they beat UConn and Cal Poly by a combined 98 points. Why is that relevant in this game? Because those teams are terrible? Well... You guessed it, kids. UNLV is terrible also. They lost to Iowa State at home last week by 45 points. And this is Iowa farm boys coming to Vegas and were able to stay focused and still win by 45. Fresno State is averaging 537.8 yards per game. You're thinking, man, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it is. In fact, UNLV is averaging 208 yards per game. If you won't do the math in your head... I'll do it for you. That is 330 yards. Actually, it's 329.9, but let's not be ticky-tacky here on Friday. It is 330 yards less than Fresno State. Scott, that seems like a decided disadvantage for UNLV. We're going to bet the farm on the Fresno State Bulldogs minus the 30. Fading UNLV is really never a bad move. Got to do it. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for the show today. We do appreciate you checking us out. Thanks very much for myself and for Scott Reichel. Come back and see us next time on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.
Thank you.